suddenly, to my surprise, he did the match. He did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It got on in a flash. He did the match. He did the monster match from my laboratory in the castle. Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, ghouls and goblins of all ages, and welcome to another Sunday Fun Day edition of the Royal Ramble. It's a gloomy one here in Toronto, and I suppose that's appropriate because we are officially on the eve of the eve of All Hallows' Eve. And that brings up an age-old argument. Is it pronounced Halloween or Halloween? Personally, I've never liked the pronunciation of Halloween, though that is probably the correct pronunciation, but there's an A at the beginning, not an O. Okay, English lesson over. The WWE has already kind of gotten us into the spirit of the season with their annual Halloween Havoc event. It started this past week on NXT and will continue this coming week, which will actually be on Halloween night. I'm not so much a fan of these themed WWE shows, but I thought they did a pretty decent job with this one, although I'd have liked to see that huge inflatable pumpkin that WCW used for many of their events. Come to think of it, I can't remember if WWE did have one or not. But that aside, I thought Shotzi and Scarlett did a tremendous job as hosts, and you can tell that it was something that they're both really into. For anyone who follows Shotzi on Instagram, you know that she's a huge fan of the horror genre. I didn't know that about Scarlett, but given her character, I guess it kind of makes sense. I was appalled at the fact that until recently, the WWE never really embraced that side of Shotzi, but I kind of dig her new look. She looks kind of like a character out of the Hellraiser series, and I think Pinhead was one of her characters that she portrayed on NXT this week. She did tease another costume for this coming week's episode, so I can't wait to see what she pulls out of the closet. I love the scene with the two of them and Carmelo right out of the Shining movie, and that's another match that I'm heavily invested in this coming week. They've also added the TLS match between the Creed brothers and the team of Angel and Umberto, which is tables, ladders, and scares. But that's next week. This week we had the much-anticipated debut of Lexus King, the former Brian Pillman Jr., and I must say, I love what they're doing with him thus far, and the fact that they're totally trying to separate him from the image of his father, but also trying to make it that he's ashamed of his association, presenting him as a monster heel. I wasn't all that impressed with the match though, but I love the character and the new look, so we'll see where it goes. We also got a couple of very surprising title changes. I'm not really a fan of the Chase U faction, but I wasn't really a fan of having the belts on the family either, because I don't really buy either combination as legit teams, but rather just singles wrestlers who have been randomly paired together. I am still expecting someone to turn at some point on the Chase U side. And then in the main event, we had perhaps even more surprising outcome with Lyra Valkyria upsetting Becky Lynch to become the new NXT Women's Champion. I'm a fan of Lyra, but I don't think that the finish really did anything for her in terms of passing the torch. It didn't really feel like a star-making moment, but rather that she just kind of got lucky. They did kind of paint themselves into a corner though, because if the plan is Becky versus Rhea at Mania, then you want to keep Becky looking strong so that she can be presented as legit competition rather than just the challenger of the week. In that sense, I think they accomplished what they set out to do. I just don't know if Lyra got much of a rub that was obviously intended, but the key is going to be the follow-up, so we'll see what happens from here. Before we even get to Halloween next week, we had a couple of other big shows to discuss, which happened just last weekend. Unfortunately, I couldn't do the show last week, so I've saved both reviews for this show. 
It seemed that both the WWE and UFC crews were in Saudi Arabia last night for the big Tyson Fury vs. Francis Ngannou fight. I didn't actually see it, but I understand that it ended in controversy, and this is why they say to never leave the fight in the hands of the judges. The UFC came to town last week as well for UFC 294. Opening the card was a bantamweight fight that saw Syed Nurmagomedov make quick work of Muin Gavarov with a guillotine submission after the eager Gavarov tried to rush him. In middleweight action, Ikram Alaskarov planted a well-placed kick to the head of Warley Alves and then the flying knee strike to pick up the TKO. Magomad Ankalaev landed a stiff body shot to his light heavyweight opponent Johnny Walker who was able to bounce back with a flying knee but unfortunately a second knee strike was landed to a grounded opponent and the fight was ruled a no contest, a very disappointing outcome for both fighters. The middleweights were second from the top. Kamzat Chemaev nearly upset former welterweight champ Kamaru Usman securing his back and delivering some ground and pound offense but Usman managed to escape the opening round. Usman decided he wanted no more of that, and they decided to stand and trade in the second, which turned into a slugfest. The judges eventually ruled this a majority decision in favor of Shemaev, meaning that two judges voted in favor of Shemaev, with the third judge ruling this a draw. And then in the main event, Islam Makashev put away his worthy contender and former featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky with a vicious head kick, followed by some ground and pound for the TKO victory, and thus remains the lightweight champion of the world. Those fighters might have been bound for glory, as was the Impact crew, and that was the title of their premier event, which also took place last weekend in Chicago. In fact, there were a bunch of rumors circulating that a certain Chicago native might have been Impact-bound. Whether he is or he isn't, he certainly wasn't bound for glory. I kind of feel bad for anyone who purchased this event, not because it wasn't good, but because they basically showed the entire event for free this week on Impact, which was kind of weird. The main card opened with some X Division action. In fact, it was the X Division title match with Chris Sabin turning back the challenge of New Japan's Kenta. The match was kind of slower than I expected at first, but eventually things picked up. It wasn't my favorite performance for either guy, but it was a decent opener. Sabin basically hit the missile dropkick to the back of Kenta and then finished him off with a cradle shock to keep the belt. The Monsters Ball match was next, and I appreciated the fact that they actually made it seem like each of the four contestants were locked in separate rooms without food, water, or sunlight. I don't know why Moose was wearing pajamas for the match, but no judgment. At his age, I have no idea how PCO is still able to hit that deanimator move. Maybe he really was built in a lab. At one point, Bully Ray got involved and shoved Steve Macklin off the middle rope, who fell backwards into a thumbtack-covered table. Very weird dynamic between those two. Moose brought a chair into play, and then Rhino gored it right into him. PCO then delivered the cannonball off the top rope into both guys, and pinned Moose for the surprising victory. I guess since PCO has now re-signed with Impact, they had to keep him happy somehow. Gia is with Mickey James, who basically said that while she respects Trinity, she still wants her title back that she never lost. ABC vs. The Rascals was up next for the Impact Tag Team titles, and this is the match that shifted the show into next gear. The pace really quickened, and all four of these guys had their working boots on. There were a few rest holds, which was kind of weird, but Ace Austin was isolated in the heel corner for a chunk of the match, and then eventually made the hot tag to Bay for some double teaming. They eventually isolated Wentz in the ring, and Ace hit the fold to pick up the straps, so we have new tag team champions. 
and then the match yours truly had been looking forward to the most, featuring probably the two busiest workers of 2023, and that's Will Ospreay and Speedball Mike Bailey. These guys have been pretty well everywhere this year, so it's amazing that their paths are only crossing now. This was a great match, as I think we all expected. Speedball hit his sequence of bicycle kicks and then a poison Rana. He tried for Ultimo Weapon on the ring apron, but Osprey kicked him into the post. Osprey then hit an os cutter on the apron. Back in the ring, Osprey delivered the hidden blade and then tried another os cutter, but Speedball caught him with a double knees to the spine. Speedball finally connected with Ultimo Weapon, but only got two. He then hit a fisherman superplex for another near fall and then Meteor Rain. Osprey came back with a Styles Clash for a near fall. He then drilled Speedball with a Storm Driver 93 for another close near fall, and finally hit the Hidden Blade, followed by the Stormbreaker for the three count. Great match. The Collier Shot Gauntlet match was next, and I'll just kind of go through some highlights. It started with Jake Something and Eddie Edwards, and Jake, I have to say, must have taken his Wheaties, because this guy is looking jacked lately. Kenny King joined them at number 3, followed by Lucha legend Juventud Guerrera at number 4, and then Johnny Swinger at 5. Hoovy eliminated King at this point after a tilt-a-whirl head scissor. Crazy Steve then comes out and attacks both Swinger and Hoovy, I guess because he's kind of started this feud with former ECW talents. Giselle Shaw comes out next and quickly eliminates Swinger after the attack by Steve. Jody Thread is out, followed by Kylan King, and then Sonny Kiss, who I guess is on loan from AEW. Kiss tosses out Shaw, who lands on top of her entourage at ringside. Bully Ray comes out next and starts dancing with Kiss, and then Matt Cardona returns to Impact, only to be a victim of the what's up headbutt that Bully does with Kiss. Jordan Grace is out next and gets right in Bully's face, and then Eric Young comes out and eliminates Edwards. Joe Henry is out next, followed by Brian Myers, who spears and eliminates Henry. Myers and Cardona embrace and then team up to eliminate Kiss. Heath is out next, and then Kazarian, Rich Swan, and Jonathan Gresham. Gresham eliminates Threat, and then Dirty Dango comes out last and is immediately tossed out by Jake Something, who entered at number one. Oleg Prudius, the former Vladimir Kozlov, interferes on behalf of Dango. The major players then eliminate Kazarian and Young. Something throws out Gresham, and then the players eliminate Something. Cardona then double-crosses and eliminates Myers, only to be thrown out himself by Grace. Bully then eliminates Kylan King, and it's down to Bully and Jordan. Bully misses a senton, and after a flurry of spinning backfists, Grace powers Bully up for the juggernaut driver for the final pin. Grace then takes the microphone and immediately says she's calling her shot for the Impact Knockouts title at Hard to Kill in January. Personally, I was hoping she'd opt to challenge for the men's title. Speaking of the Knockouts title, the match was second from the top, with Mickey James challenging Trinity. Trinity delivered this unique-looking backslide where she was kind of seated, basically showing off her flexibility. Mickey countered the first attempt at Starstruck, but Trinity planted her with a head-scissor driver and then locked in Starstruck for the tap-out to keep her title. Gia interviews Moose before the main event. He says things didn't go his way tonight, but he still has the briefcase, and he's going to call his shot at the heavyweight title at Hard to Kill. And that led into the main event for the Impact World title with Alex Shelley defending against the former champion Josh Alexander. Shelley immediately started targeting the left arm of Alexander. Alexander came back and applied a figure four around the ring post. Shelley then hit shell-shocked into the guardrail and then sliced bread off the apron. 
There were multiple counters in the closing sequence, but eventually Shelley delivered another shell shock, this time in the ring, followed by a pair of super kicks to finally put Josh away and keep the title. This was a kind of surprising finish as well, but I guess they didn't want to go back to Alexander versus Moose, and ultimately, I think there are many more options for Shelley than Josh in terms of stories that can be told. They shook hands out of mutual respect, but the show didn't end there because then we went into a vignette with some of the Impact originals and top stars, and they all revealed that Impact will officially be reverting back to and using the TNA name come January, which I guess is a huge deal. Before closing out the week, WWE has a big show coming at us next week from Saudi Arabia. It is the annual Crown Jewel event, so I'm going to get into the miniature preview here, starting with the two title matches. I'm kind of surprised they're already going with Roman Reigns versus LA Knight instead of building to it a little more, but I guess you gotta strike while the iron is hot. And there's no WWE talent that is as hot right now as LA Knight. That said, you know everyone expects Roman to lose his title at WrestleMania, but wouldn't it be a left field surprise if it happens on this show? I don't think anyone would see it coming, and there is an off chance that it could given the popularity of Knight. I don't expect it to, and I think we get some kind of double cross. I'm picturing either the return of Brock Lesnar, or John Cena turns heel after losing his earlier match to Solo. I mentioned the other title match, but I did just mention Solo versus Cena, so I'll kind of continue with that match. I think for Cena, or really any part-time performer, the more they lose, the less value they have. But they could tell an interesting story here, and I think the only way to do that is for Cena to lose this match clean, and then start questioning whether or not he still has it. Which will either lead to him turning heel on Knight out of jealousy, basically acknowledging that Reigns is the greatest of all time, and at least according to WWE, or they do the opposite, where he decides it may be time to hang it up, and he puts his career on the line in a match at Mania against someone. The other title match is Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre. I'm actually liking what they've been doing with McIntyre with all these subtle hints of a heel turn. But like I said in a previous episode, it's like that show Cobra Kai where the heels aren't actually heels but only heels based on circumstance. I think we are getting a title change here where Rollins hurts his back during the match and Drew takes advantage and does further damage to the back to win the title as Rollins is carted away on a stretcher and everyone kind of looks down on Drew for trying to injure Seth to win the title. Both women's titles are also on the line at the event. Rhea Ripley will defend her belt in a fatal five-way against four very aggressive challengers. I think if Rhea were going to lose, this would be the match to do it because she can avoid being pinned but I don't expect her to. I think she'll capitalize on a move by Naya and end up pitting Zoe or something to keep her belt. On the other side, I haven't been too impressed with Io Sky's title run thus far. I want to be into it, but I just can't. I think Bianca is 100% reclaiming the belt. Speaking of title changes, I can't see Logan Paul not walking out of Saudi with the US title. I love Ray, he's one of my favorite performers of all time, but you need that belt all over social media, and Logan has a gazillion followers, so it's gonna happen. Cody Rhodes versus Damian Priest was also added this week, and I think Cody needs to keep his momentum going as well, so I think another JD McDonough error will end up costing Priest the match. So that's Crown Jewel, but Survivor Series is also in about a month, so here are my fantasy predictions for this year's Survivor Series card, and I really don't think we're getting war games this year, nor do I think we need it every year. Seth Rollins vs. Drew McIntyre in a stretcher match for the WWE World Heavyweight title. 
Team Raw, represented by Cody Rhodes, Jey Uso, Sami Zayn, Damian Priest, and Finn Balor, versus Team SmackDown, represented by Roman Reigns, Jimmy Uso, LA Knight, Kevin Owens, and Solo Sokoa in the Men's Survivor Series elimination match. Team Raw, represented by Rhea Ripley, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Raquel Rodriguez, and Becky Lynch, versus Team SmackDown, represented by Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, Io Sky, Bailey, and Asuka in the Women's Survivor Series elimination match. Logan Paul, representing SmackDown, defends the U.S. title against Ricochet, representing Raw. Gunther, representing Raw, defends the Intercontinental title against Bobby Lashley, representing SmackDown. So there you have it. I will be back next week to review the event. Until then, I leave you with an A-B-C-Y-A.